If you hear me shivering a little bit while I'm recording this episode, you'll understand why in a minute. So I'm recording this on my phone. I'm in my car right now. Don't ask for details. And I just took about a five-minute walk outside. And this is one of those days in Minnesota in the winter when it's just brutal. It's just, it's extreme cold. Wind chill is negative. I don't know what, you know, pretty windy. And it's, it's extreme. Anyone who's lived in Minnesota or another northern climate like this knows what it's like. That it is literally dangerous, or so we say, if you are out there for an extended period of time and you're not covering yourself from head to toe. And so I wanted to go out and just get like a five-minute walk-in because I really hadn't gotten outside like at all yet today, and it's 3 p.m. now. Well, because number one, I go outside every day, but then I also just wanted to, I just wanted to feel it. I just wanted to feel the cold and kind of test, just test something out, test a little mindset hack or theory of mine out. And so I just started walking and I wanted to kind of play with my mind to figure out whether or not I could block out the cold essentially because you'll see you'll like see you'll you'll hear about stuff you know people like Wim Hof for example have any of you ever heard of Wim Hof Wim Wim Hof is the ice man he's the guy that you know he's he's famous now but essentially he can take like an ice bath or like you know freaking climb Mount Everest barefoot or you know be in the the an iced over lake or Antarctica like freaking naked for hours and hours and days and days without getting cold or something like that because he control it he can control it through his breathing i don't know how he does it exactly and i studied his technique for a little while so anyway i'm out there and in my mind i'm trying to figure out what it is that i need to do to shut off the fact that my mind is telling me i'm cold we, okay, so we go back to the mind over matter argument. And I've talked about mind over matter in other episodes. I'm, I'm a believer in mind over matter. I really am a believer in mind over matter to a certain extent. Just because I've learned enough about the world. I've met enough people who, who have a certain capacity of mind over matter that virtually none of us have. So I know it exists for certain reasons. I'm a strong believer in mind over matter. And so I'm out there walking trying to figure out how to, it's like, what do I need to do? What do I need to focus on? Or do I need to focus on nothing at all? Do I need to focus on something totally different to make it so my mind doesn't tell my body that I'm colder? My body doesn't tell my mind that I'm colder. I don't notice that I'm cold and basically I can stay out here longer and don't even feel it. Now, if my mom were listening to this podcast, she'd probably be like, my baby's going to get frostbite. But <laughs> like, you'd be like, well, that's dangerous. If you don't let yourself know that you're cold, <laughs> then you're just going to get frostbite and you're going to have serious problems. Okay. Uh, and we could debate that too. That might be correct. So anyway, I'm out there trying to figure out whether or not I need to shut off my mind. Because think about this. Some of you might be runners. And if you're if you're a distance runner... What probably happens a lot of times is you'd be running and like if you sit there and think about it, if you go over like a five mile run, and let's be real, five miles is a long run, even for those of you who run a lot, five miles is a long run, it's a hard run, and you know, you'd be 10 minutes in, maybe mile, mile and a half in, whatever, and you're just like, 
oh my God, this sucks. But then you kind of get that runner's high. They'll say it's the endorphins, whatever. Sometimes I find it's just the fact that I'm thinking about something else. Like I'm thinking about something else. Usually it's some like egotistical, narcissistic thing where I'm like seeing myself as like some amazing person. Like, yeah, I'm super cool. I'm like envisioning something about the future or just thinking about something totally different in general when I'm, when I'm running. And it'll take my mind off of the fact that I'm having to run and I'm gasping for air. And you momentarily forget that you're even running and working hard. You forget that you don't like it. And I was trying to apply the same concept with the cold. And it was working for like 10 seconds, but then the wind picked up and I'm like, Jesus, okay, okay, it's cold, it's cold, I get it. But, so that's the concept here, is what do we need to do in order to like flip that switch where we all of a sudden really are our mind does overtake the matter, so to speak. And I don't have an exact answer how to do this in a lot of situations, but I know that it's very real just because if you think about people like, well, let me give you some examples. So one example is is David Goggins. And if anyone follows David Goggins, I don't really suggest that you try to do a lot of this stuff that he does or you know the stuff that Wim Hof does because you're probably going to die. No, but I don't really suggest it just because for most of us, I don't think that's a reasonable attempt or a reasonable way to attempt to live life is to do things that are that extreme. But Goggins essentially is like an ultra marathoner who does all this stuff and, and, you know, all of these athletic feats where he never stops. And I've heard him say many times that for most people, when you think you've reached your limit, you're about 40% to your limit. Sometimes I'll be in the weight room lifting weights and sitting there thinking to myself, like I'm doing some heavy shoulder press or something and I get, you know, 10 reps and I'm like, oh, that's the last one I got. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And then I'll put the bar back on the rack because I'm not trying to hurt myself. But then I'm thinking to myself, like, is Goggins right? Is that really only 40% of what I could do? Could I have really done that 25 times? If I did what Goggins does in his YouTube videos, where every other rep, he's like, they don't know me, son! They don't know me, son! <laughs> but, like, you get the concept here. It's like, am I really, really me? Am I only going 40% of my actual max when I think I'm reaching my limit on certain things? And granted, he's up making up an arbitrary number, and it probably differs from person to person, activity to activity. But that's something that I really want you guys to keep in mind as you go through whatever you go through in life. Because most of us, and I include myself in this, because I in no way, there is no area of life where I have reached that elite level where I have pushed to an absolute limit. There are some areas where I've pushed hard, but I'm not one of these people who I'm talking about in this. Like David Goggins, for example, who was just freaking bonkers, uh, you know, going to, well, what we would consider the absolute limit, even though I'm sure it's not. He probably could go even farther. The point here is consider it because there are levels that you just simply, we're not even aware that we're capable of in a lot of different things. See, I think that what happens, I think, is I think that fear stops us a lot of times. And and this is probably physiologically true just in the sense of you'll have people that, you know, you hear about things like these great feats of strength when people need to do it, like a woman lifting a car off of her son or something like that. Because what happens is, number one, it's the adrenaline, but it's also the fact that the body, typically our body tells us when we should not try to push harder or lift heavier or whatever, 
because we know that the risk of injury is too great and that the body literally physically stops itself. That's not the best scientific way to describe it, but, but that's kind of what happens. And essentially though, that can be overridden by the fact that you're saying, well, it did, you know, your, your mind, your subconscious mind or whatever is telling you at this point, that does not matter. I have to lift the car off my son. That is the only thing that matters. This is an extreme example, but I think that what happens, I think this even applies in certain other areas of life is that that fear limits us in ways that we don't understand. I'll give you another example is I've mentioned once or twice in this podcast before I have this friend who I met somewhat recently and he's a former um you know special operations military guy and he talked about a time where he said this is not really an exaggeration that they did 40 nights with 40 minutes of sleep each night and that's it and then we had limited food and water it's like you know the the ultimate version of hell week like 40 days of hell essentially in his training where they sleep deprive them as, as much as possible they gave them 40 minutes 40 minutes of sleep per night and made them go through rigorous tasks and you know i talked in a little more details about that in another episode but you know he was essentially talking about how once you do something like that, you realize that as humans, we're really, we really are capable of, of so many things. And like, for the most part, we haven't even begun to, to most of us never even get close to reaching our limits in terms of what we're capable of physically or how much we can handle. Now, on the one hand, I kind of like, don't even like to talk about this stuff just because as a personal trainer, for example, for most people, to improve their bodies and get a better result physically and just to have a better life, the ideal thing to do is to sleep eight hours a night. So I don't even like to get into this that often. However, there is an element of learning what we're capable of and how far we can push our body when necessary. That's valuable. So like in this case, you know, he was talking to me about how you just really, you, you learn, you learn what you're capable of when you go there and you continue to do hard tasks for 40 days straight when you've only been sleeping for 40 minutes every night. And I think that for someone like me, I look at it from an outsider's perspective and I say, well, I'm scared to try that because I'm scared that I'm going to get sick. I'm scared that my organs are going to break down. Like I'm, I'm scared to go two nights with 40 hours of sleep or 40 minutes of sleep. Like if I sleep one night for 40 minutes, the next day I can barely function. I'm scared. I'm scared of what would happen after numerous days of doing that. And so while there is, I'm sure there's a risk and, you know, doctors would say, well, yeah, this is not an advisable thing for most people. But what's happening is I'm scared of it for a lot of reasons. Like even me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who I do a lot of things to try to keep myself in good shape physically. So I'm scared of being deprived of certain things. Now I've done certain types of fasts before and I'll do others as well, but in a certain way I'm scared. I'm like, oh my God, what if I don't have water for six, eight, 10 hours? What if I don't get hardly any sleep at all? It's like, you just, we're scared. We're scared because we've grown up in a world for the most part where we're comfortable and we have these needs met. And so we might limit ourselves in terms of what we're actually capable of by the fears that we've built up about that. And another guy that I always cite on here very often, just to throw him in there again, is one of my mentors, Wes Watson. And if, uh, you know, you don't need to look him up that much if you're not interested in fitness and in California prison gangs, which is his original background. <laughs> but, um, but he's a guy who's woke up at 2.45 a.m. every day for the last 15 years or something like that. And 
kind of falls into the category of what I would call maybe the sleepless elite. They say it's a thing. They say that there is a category of people who don't need sleep. Now, I don't really know if that's actually a thing, if there's like a genetic component that says, oh, this particular group of people only needs four hours of sleep per night or whatever. I don't think that's exactly how it works. Um, I, I think there's a strong element of mind over matter that that we're all capable of developing to a certain extent. And I think what happened in his case is he spent 10 years or so in prison and kind of had some, I guess I would call them almost like just religious level epiphanies that are reserved for only a select few individuals that go through this life and essentially came out the other side of it just sort of not even believing that he's human. You know, this is a guy, for example, who says he doesn't believe in sickness, you know, that he, he doesn't even believe in the, in the idea of being physically ill and that if he would be physically ill, he would simply just, you know, he, he would just, how does he put it? He would just elevate past it mentally. He even, he literally, I've heard him give that advice. See, this is what's crazy. Most fitness trainers like me and most doctors would be like, that's the most ridiculous advice I've ever heard. Because that's the way we view it from our lens. But he, he literally told this guy on a call. It was a group call. And, he, and this guy was asking, hey, Wes, you know, I was sick for the last couple of days. I got to get back to training. How do you recommend I go back and start my training again? And he looks at him straight up and he goes, don't get sick anymore. You got to elevate past that. <laughs> and and part of it, like I said, a lot of doctors and, and, you know, trainers and whoever else would look at him and be like, well, no, that's crazy. Everybody gets sick, but I'm inclined to not necessarily agree with him, but say that he's on to something and who knows, maybe he really, I mean, he hasn't, I've never seen him take a day off from what he does. He claims to not. Um, and you know how much of it is possibly BS. I don't know, but, but he's, he seems pretty authentic every time I've talked to him. And so I think that there's something there, there's something there. There's something there that a lot of us are just not seeing either because we don't want to believe it. Essentially, we're not, we're not thinking outside the box enough or we're not open-minded enough to see that maybe he and Goggins and all these other, you know, crazy 0.1 percenters that I'm referring to, the Wim Hofs, they're discovering something that we're not discovering and it doesn't seem logically possible for us, but that, that there is an extra gear that's probably available to most, most of us that we just haven't found. So, so think about it because, and again, I, I I like to be very careful when I put out episodes like this, because I don't even know if it's good advice to like tell general population people, you know, that you're only given a hundred, you're only given 40% of your effort, right? You know, and it's like, is there a risk of some people overdoing it and freaking fainting? And I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want anybody to get killed by taking the advice they heard from me on a podcast about <laughs> trying to be like Wes Watson and David Goggins. But um, I'll just, I'll close the episode by saying that there's something there. I haven't found it exactly yet, but there's something there that some of us, well, 99.7% of us, haven't found that some of these select few individuals seem to find and maybe it's not something we'd have access to all the time but it's a certain extra gear 
that might be useful for us from time to time if we just open our minds to believe in it and let go of the fear. So think about that. All right. Talk again soon. Love y'all. Peace.